3: You're listening to the podcast, a weekly adventure in the British countryside from BBC Country Farm Magazine. I'm Fergus, and I'm your host. And a very happy New Year! You join us in the middle of our winter season of stories from the landscape, with a whole load of folk tales and mysteries and very strange places. This week's episode was recorded not long before Christmas on a wintry day just north of Bath in Southwest England. On a foggy hilltop, I met with historian Julian Humphreys. To explore the Civil War battlefield of Lansdowne and walk in the eerie footsteps of soldiers who fought and died there 380 years ago it was an extraordinary experience. As ever, please leave likes and positive feedback if you enjoyed the podcast, and join me later in the studio for a nice little round-up with the podcast team. So I've driven through mist, fog and yeah. rain to the Cotswolds to meet...
0: Julian Humphreys. Julian, lovely to see you. Good to see you too. Why have you dragged me here? Well, this is one of the most interesting battlefields in the country, actually. So this is Lansdowne, just outside of Bath, and it was the scene of a rather extraordinary battle in our very tragic civil war, so in July 1643. And
3: Lansdowne is a hill above Bath, basically.
0: Yes, it is. So there was a crucial point to sort of...
3: High point to capture or something?
0: Absolutely. Um, The the Royalists had been advancing really out of Cornwall all that summer. They'd gone through Devon and into Somerset. And they were trying to capture Bath, probably as a prelude to take Bristol, because Bristol was an important port. And there was a lot of manoeuvring around Bath. The Royalists under a chap called Ralph Hopton, who was uh, uh, Somerset gent, and a parliamentarian under attack called William Waller. Ironically, they were both, they were friends. They were friends? Yeah. And, and, they, were and, enemies, and, yeah, yeah. and they wrote, uh, they, they kept writing to each other. And um, Waller actually, in one of his letters, he said... Uh, I think uh, Hopton had asked him maybe they could meet and perhaps come to an agreement. He said, as much as I hate this war without an enemy, as the next person, we have to do our parts. And that war without an enemy has become a a sort of byword for civil war since then. And it was these two guys that that coined the phrase. So anyway, the the, the Royalists are trying to get into into Bath. This hill that we're on, it's a long hill and it stretches from, from here on the edge of the Cotswolds right down into Bath itself. And the Royalists, I think, quite reasonably thought that if they can get up on there, they're overlooked Bath, and then they'll be able to force it surrender. Whereas the, the Parliamentarians thought, well, if we can hold them off here, you know, they haven't got a lot of supplies, the Royalists, and maybe we can, we can drive them back. And so the battle really focused on who could control Lansdowne Hill, And uh, it was a very hard-fought battle indeed. So where we're walking now, this is the battlefield. Yes, we're actually uh, tramping. The, we're going along at the moment uh, a sort of gravelly, stony path, which is part of the Cotswold Way, in fact. It runs right through the battlefields. So you walk the Cotswold Way, you walk the battlefields. And it, it really runs along the line of the uh, of the parliamentarian position. So you can see over on our right here, there's lots of scrubland land and there's trees. But then it drops away. You could just look through the trees oh, yes. and see how suddenly... Yeah. It falls away very rapidly, doesn't it? That's the north. Though. Yes, That's so actually, over to yeah. our right is the north. And yeah. so way over on the right-hand side, through those trees, there's a big valley, and then up on the far side... There's a hill called Freezing Hill. Freezing Hill? Probably is today. Actually. Yes. Yes. Well, we're... we're, we're, we're goodness me. I should say, though, it's very misty, isn't it? And you can just see this mist coming through the, the trees. And in some places, it's thick. In others others, it's less thick. But visibility isn't great. But people commented on it at the time because of the guns that they had. The gunpowder gave off so much smoke that one guy wrote later, he said, it was so thick that you couldn't see anything. And all you could see occasionally was the flash of dogs yeah
3: how did they uh, how, I mean so there, it was a cannon battle it, sort of? it was
0: mis- musketry guns uh, cavalry they're all here oh, everything was really? so here yeah a, right. but it was because of the fact it's so steep hills around okay. here it's mainly infantry so foot soldiers you know, with muskets and pikes etc but so as we walk along we're actually walking along um, a bit parliamentarian position
3: okay so, so we're this, the parliamentarians are we right? are at the moment yeah, yes okay. and um, just for listeners who have no idea of the English Civil War. I know it's difficult to do in a nutshell, but what was what was the sort of the Royalists
0: under King Charles the against the Parliamentarians? What was the? How did it spark up? The first thing to say is that it's a British Civil War. British. Civil War. Um, but, I mean, we're in the Civil War in England at the moment, but it's part of a wider uh, issue. You know, there was fighting in Ireland. There was fighting in Scotland. The Scots played a, a major part, really, in Parliament's victory. And, of course, there were wider issues on the, uh, on, on the continent. And what were they fighting about? How much you could trust the king, really. really Ultimately, okay. uh, when, when the war started, both sides accepted there should be a king. And if you'd said to any of the parliamentarians when the Civil War started that Charles I would end up being executed, I think they would have become royalists straight away. They would, that's not what it was about. Really? So Charles I essentially had this concept of the divine right of kings. In other words, he ruled, he had, he had a hotline to God, you know, what he said went. Yes. And, okay. um, uh, and Parliament, any kind of criticism, was seen as disloyal. A few dogs coming along. look, yeah, yeah, Cry right. havoc and let slip the dogs of war, <laughs> you see. <laughs> um, Out of the mist. So you had stresses and strains over the way that Charles ruled. Um, people didn't like his favourites. There was a lot of religious controversy about what the Church of England should be like, you know, at the, at the time. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Good morning. morning.
3: So he was quite yeah.
0: autocratic? Yeah. Um, and um, actually, he ruled for 11 years without a parliament. You, you, you weren't obliged to in those days. You didn't have to have a parliament. No. But if you wanted money, oh. you needed a parliament because they voted the taxes. So without a parliament, uh, he had to rely on all sorts of rather dubious initiatives and ideas uh, that were you know, selling monopolies for things. Mm. Notice how the ground here, by the way, now it's quite um, uneven isn't it and yeah, you, can slippery, the, yeah. you can see the you can see that the limestone it's jutting up isn't it yeah, everywhere yeah, on yeah, this. Yeah. you know it's very easy to fall at Lansdowne you, you could say do you not want <laughs> any more falls no the we don't this, no we this, don't this season <laughs> um <laughs> so it gives you, you see what that what the ground is made of yeah, i think I here, through all of Bones these leaves of the landscape yeah it really shows doesn't it um so you've got all of those issues uh, worries about religion many people thought that charles was tending towards Catholicism. I see, he,
3: and we'd had, he, had the Reformation you a know, hundred uh, years, well, 80 years previously. Yeah. yeah, and
0: people, you know, half remembered, half imagined what life was like, you know, in good old Queen Elizabeth's days, etc. So there was, there was all of these sort of um, uh, problems. Charles is really, I suppose, you, you, you could say, he had plenty of opportunities, I think, to compromise, but he wasn't a compromising kind no. of person. And the upshot, ult- ultimately, was that he tried to arrest members of Parliament, went into the Houses of because Parliament. Because they
3: were refusing to do his bidding?
0: Yeah, they well, they, they were called because he needed some money. And, of course, what they started to do was criticise what he was doing, declare lots of things that he'd done illegal, um, try and reform the church, um, ah, okay. and all kinds of things. So you know, if like you that. want
3: money, you've got to do these yes, things? Yes, exactly, right, yeah. Okay, and so he
0: had to go along with it to a point, but they pushed things. Yeah. So initially, I don't think Charles would have had a, a much of an army because I think most people felt that that had needed to be done. Yeah. But some people in Parliament then pushed things further and started to take away powers that were always seen as royal powers. And then a few people started to think that actually Parliament was more of a, of a threat to the liberties of the country than the king was. So he gradually got a party. So ironically, uh, Ralph Hopton, who was the royalist commander at this battle, he'd been quite a critic of the, of the royal government, but he thought enough is enough. We can't go any, any further. So all too, of that too really changed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and ultimately, you know, we, we stumbled into a civil war. Really, this area was very parliamentarian. So, so this here.
3: area, the, the south west, southwest, this southwestern yeah.
0: area around here was parliamentarian. Although the royalists had come from Cornwall. Obviously. Yes, and that's interesting because they were very very localist in those days. Right, local war for local people. <laughs> um, and so, you know, and and you'd rather be looted by your own. Been looted by people that came from another part of the, of the country, well, of course true. they called a foreigner a foreigner was somebody from another county in yeah. those days. somebody from another country was an alien. So this royalist army that came into, in, into this area—they're coming up from Cornwall. So a lot of them are speaking Cornish, or some of them would be speaking Cornish. Anyway. So they have accents. Yeah. yeah. So they would be seen to people around, around Bath as, as foreigners. You know, yeah. we think about Devon and Cornwall. Well, now it's about scones, isn't it? But then it was about something more. People from the Welsh marches <laughs> co- coming down in the royalist army. There could be a war over scones. Well, they could. No, I've, I've
3: met people who, who hold that very much so yes. strongly. That's what uh, are you? Uh, i'm i 've changed recently i've've yeah, i know've i've gone um uh
0: cream first then jam Oh, i 'm a cream first man
3: yeah i used to be jam first and not
0: cream on top <laughs> but no
3: we are surrounded by fog and mist yeah. and as as Julia said the, the, the it replicates the the fog of war the the battlefield of the smoke of the guns so um so that so we have um we have war breaks out almost back and so then we have these sort of skirmishes and battles all across the country
0: absolutely initially i think we never learned do we i think everybody thought we all, all be over by christmas 1642 yeah. there'd be one big battle god would decide who was in the right and then after that they could go to the conference table yeah and the side that one would have the advantage and it would all be sorted out but of course god decided that neither side was in the right it was a draw and the, the civil war Developed into a series of regional conflicts. Really, the king moved his headquarters because London was very pro um, Parliament, Parliament. Yeah. Uh, he, so he moved his headquarters to uh, Oxford. And what you got was this series of um, of, of regional conflicts. And this is the southwestern regional conflict. Yeah. So it's it's the royalists. And the Parliamentary squabbling over land, because the more land you've got, the more people you can recruit, you get the resources. Yes. Oh, and now look at this view. Suddenly oh. we've come out, and, oh, and we're lucky here. The, the, the trees have gone, yeah. And now we look down, and there's a patchwork of, of fields, and lots of scattered little villages, and over into the to the sort of northwest, you can see the outskirts of Bristol over yes, there, can't you? Yes, this is an incredible yeah. view. Yeah. We're so lucky because the, the clouds that just have drifted just drifted away, passed, haven't yes. they? Yes, and then you, so you can see how the landscape it drops down. And then over um, on the Royalist side of the, of, of the battlefield, it rises again. And you've got that high hill, which is Freezing Hill, and it carries on right over really towards the M4, actually. So that's where the Royalists Yes, the Royalists no are coming from up there. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they're looking... We're, say we're the parliamentarians, we'd be here, and you'd see over on the far side, maybe the flags of the Royalist mm. um, uh, army, and maybe a puff of smoke, and then a bit later a bang, yeah. and then some kind of shot would come over. Not much at this stage, but... And people... On, on horses, dragoons who were like mounted infantry. Think about you know like the seventh cavalry in Custer's time. Or, you know that they, they'd be riding around, sort of scur- scouting exactly, yeah. skirmishing, seeing what's what's what you know. And both sides would be doing this. The parliamentarians digging in up here. Actually okay. they they they, so they, they fortified str- the hill okay. as much as they could in the time. Yes, yeah. it's helped though because you can see behind us one of those great features of this area, um, right across the Cotswolds, isn't it? Are the dry stone walls? Yes. It's interesting how they are, they, they're, they're very reasonable in the way they do them, aren't they? You know, I don't know a lot about dry stone walls, but you go to the ones in Yorkshire and they're very different to these, aren't yes. they? Yeah. It's a reflection of the stone, I suppose, that they have.
3: So these are very ancient walls. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So they would have been, these walls would have been here? Yes. Been, in some shape? Or yeah.
0: That. Well, you know, I, I think about these walls, they fall down, what do you do? Just build them up again, don't you? Yeah, true. You, okay. so... so yes, ab- absolutely. And also, there were, um, because the, there's a lot of stone here, they were, pits where they were digging, like quarry pits, there was a Roman settlement up here. So there was all kinds of earthworks and, and walls, etc. So from the parliamentarian side, it would be perfect, wouldn't it? You can see this wall that's behind us here. You know, there's a bit of brambles and stuff in front of it. You can imagine, can't you, a, a gun sort of sticking out yeah, of it. So you know, that, they looking, along. Yeah, right. so so it was a strong position to, um, well, it's, uh, to hold.
3: Well, it's a very steep hill to yes. come attacking up. So we've basically got the royalist position, then a valley, then exactly. the parliamentarians yeah. sort of, um, uh, so you've got a pretty do we ever get a sense of what they f- I mean you said there was lots written about it what they felt before the battle
0: yeah the royalists were confident yeah. and the reason why they were confident is that just outside of Bude which is down on the uh, North Cornwall yeah. where go surfing now, don't you well um, there's a place called Stratton which is just inland and it it originally that was the, the sort of big settlement there and um uh, the parliamentarians earlier in the campaign had dug in on the top of the hill that was as strong as this one and um, the royalist Cornish pikemen they, they, they stormed the position because what you had, and you have it here too, are you have re entrance and re-entrants are like gullies or little valleys which go up the hill from the lower valleys. So if you can get into those, you're a bit covered, aren't you? You're you know? protected from Yes, government. you are, sure. to, to a certain extent. You don't want people firing down on you, but if you can get into them, you've got cover. And so the Royalists um, had, had done this at, uh, at Stratton, uh, near Bude uh, in, in May, and won a, an extraordinary victory over a large parliamentarian army where they simply just went up the hill. Just, and, just, and just took it. But the parliamentarians, they were not so well led. Here, William Waller knew his stuff a lot better, so he was able to defend it. I'd say the parliamentarians, I think, felt that they were in a strong position. The royalists were confident. So you're going to get a battle. So what happened? Right, right well, I think the, the royalists, so um, just imagine them. So over there in a, a beyond the trees, there's that hill. We can see it now through the, the clouds, can't we? And there's a big um, round... Oak tree or something over there that you can oh, see yeah, growing. Yeah, beautiful tree, Yeah, yes. big, big tree over there. Look, but but going It's very, it's yeah. I always think of those as battlefields yeah I don't they, know. They, so they, I think they would probably would have. They've had a bit come. of a meal, wouldn't they? <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> Plenty um, of food for them. So about. so imagine the royalists—they're up there and and Hopton and his commanders—they look at this position and, and they actually say initially, mm, "I don't think that this is on. Yeah. We'll pull back to Marshfield, and Marshfield is a bigish village." A little bit further away from here and we'll 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 think again so but to actually get an army off the battlefield it's a bit cumbersome because you know everybody's got to wait to get on the roads and you've got yeah. to turn round etc and the parliamentarians saw the Royalists initially thinking of uh, to, to go back and they thought we've got a chance here and they launched their cavalry down the it it's a charge. A go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and the royalists one of them said afterwards the most extraordinary thing you know that that the the that the, the parliamentarians would send you know a few hundred horsemen to attack a whole army but i think they thought it would cause chaos which it did cause chaos um but ultimately those narrow lanes that you can see here and the fact awesome. there are so many um uh, walls and, and fields uh the the, the parliamentarians just it, it, they couldn't deploy. They got to a situation where they would go up a lane, and there'd be Royalists on each side shooting at them. So they fell back. Yeah, but they scattered a lot of the royalist cavalry. We often think about the you know Prince Rupert's Cavaliers and the royalist Cavaliers as being sort of elite force, but they were by no means elite here. And about half of them ran away. Really? From yeah. The battlefield, completely went home. Right. Yeah. And the cor- And, and also, also in the royalist army, there was uh, tension between the Cornish. And the cavalry okay. So the Cornish are uh, Cornish and they're, the the, ca- they're the infantry, the yeah, infantry yeah, the, infantry, the Cornish pikemen, infantry Pikemen yeah. and musketeers And they called the, uh, the royalists The runaway horse They called them Because they they felt yeah. they, they weren't very good And one of <laughs> and the they uh, uh, Well they did And one of the royalists said on, one, on more than one occasion We thought that the Cornish Were going to shoot at us really? So it's a, it's not a very uh, homogenous army But anyway So the, yeah. the, 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 the royalists managed to beat off this attack And then there's a sort of standoff and um, we're back to square one. You know, what are the royalists going to do? And it's at this point that the royalist uh, uh, Cornish infantry say, well, we can take this hill. Yeah. We're going to take this. We're just going to march up We said so we can yeah. do this. Let's, and they could see these c- guns up here. And they said, let us take these cannon. Well, what would Hopton as the commander do? Because, you know, you, you've got to handle these people. And if you don't let them do what they want, there's always a danger. They might say, right, we'll go off and defend Cornwall. Yeah. So you've you, lost. You've lost. You, them. you know. Yeah. yeah. So if they're up for it, you, yeah, In a way, you've got to use them, and also because of their success earlier at Stratton, where they would taken a similar hill using these low bed grounds, they decided that they would have a go. Yeah, which is pretty brave. I mean, yeah, coming basically into waiting guns. Okay? Into waiting guns. Yeah. Um, the they had some advantages because although it's a narrow hill, if you've only got let's say four thousand foot. Yeah. To actually line this hill from right over, you know, what, three quarters of a mile in that direction to the same maybe half mile in that direction. You can't defend the whole hill because it would just be like a line of people yeah, and they have no chance, you know. So you've got to put your troops in certain places, you know. And the Royalists thought they had more infantry, there, the Royalists. They thought that... What they could do is to stretch the parliamentarians by attacking in more one place than one. So the idea was they'd go up the main road near to where where we park, where there's a monument that we'll be able yes. to look at later. Um, but meanwhile, we'll send groups of infantry rounds at the foot of the valley here, and they'll make their way up these little gullies and, and valleys. There's a, a where there's there's Tree hedges. Yeah. yeah, can yeah. you see these hedges? Yes, that are running kind down. of billowing. Hedges. Yes, yeah. in there there's a there's a, a lane, and it's called Slaughter Lane. And we always think, wow. Actually, it means muddy, <laughs> right. like lower slaughter and, and what have you. So but it's not to do with cattle. No, the it's all. not. Um, but it, it was useful, I think, for people that were doing quarrying to get stone down to yeah. the flow But it was perfect sort of place, I think, for the for the royalists to uh, uh, to, to move up. So the Parliamentarians were a bit stretched on this hill. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, and um, and I think that was what gave the the royalists. Uh, um, uh, a chance, really. So it was a pretty classic, I suppose you could say. It was a pretty classic attack in the sense that you you attack up the middle to fix the opposition, yeah. and then you send chaps around the, the flanks to fight their way up through the, the sort of scrubland around here to outflank the uh, uh, the, the parliamentarians. And that's what is that what happened? It was. It wasn't easy. Yeah. Um. Because as you, it's just so steep, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No. And that, the those are for sharpshooters yeah they musketeers. yeah they fortunately I suppose if you were being shot at in those days uh, the muskets were by their stand by our standards inaccurate because yeah. they weren't rifled no. so therefore you know there's a dog and a man about what 50 yards from here. You're walking along with one of those muskets. If we shot at them, we'd miss them almost certainly. Oh, okay, so, you know, so, you, that, you, so that's why that's, you need a load of people. That's less than 100 yards. Yeah. Really. yeah, you need a load of people together shooting at once. Okay. At, but of course, the other side are all formed up, so you've got a bigger target. Yeah, so, okay. the, but so most of the infantry they had these muskets and so they reversed them and they belted people with the butts of the muskets, so like clubbing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they called it giving somebody a dry blow because <laughs> there's no, no blood much. in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but but. Ultimately, you need a bit of muscle. So about a third to a half of a regiment would be pikemen with these long um, spears, 16 feet long. And they could keep cavalry away while you went through the complicated process of reloading. And also, you know, you could go up the hill with them and you could make a stand with them and drive people from hedges, etc. So the, the, the royalist pikemen, under a chap called Beville Grenville, Ah, uh, he's quite crucial to yes. this area, yes. Yeah, the Grenville, the Grenville, the, the, the yeah, Cry Havoc, and let me yeah, support yeah, they're, they're, dogs back, yeah, they're yeah. back, yes. Uh, and Grenville turned up, his son John turned up, who was about 13, uh, came along, because you know, he's a sport, his dad, and Anthony Payne, the Cornish giant, right. who's, if you go to the museum at Bude, there's quite a lot about him, he was a giant at the time, and he was a, a sort of family retainer, and his job was, I think, to keep an eye upon... John Grenville. The, yeah. the, the young lads. Yeah, I yeah, think so. sure he didn't get into yeah. Britain, So he was a, sort um, of, yes. a kindergarten so, cop. Yeah. yeah. So uh, up they went. Up the, I like that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> up, the, up the central hill they went um, under very, very heavy fire. And um, what could the parliamentarians do? Well, the best thing that they could do, you can see that behind the, the hill, which is dropping down, um, there are some bigger fields here. Yes. Much bigger fields. There's a sort of plateau. Yeah. So on the plateau, and it, like, you know, it's good for cavalry further yeah. back. Even today, because it's where Bath Racers is, You've got oh, the horses, racehorses up yes, here, you yeah, know. Yeah. So they drew up their, their their cavalry, their horses, they would call them at the time, to the rear, and then the idea was that if the royalists got up, they would counterattack them, and that's essentially what happened. The royalists got up in the centre, and the parliamentarians counterattacked them, and then there was this very heavy fighting on the brow of the hill as the parliamentarians tried to drive the royalists back, but the royalists just about hung on. Meanwhile, the rest of the royalist troops are coming up on the flanks. Through the um, uh, through the, the, this sort of hidden ground that I met, look, the sun's coming out over Bristol. Now, it's but, amazing. Yeah. Yes, we're going to get down there later, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, would would come round on, on on both sides, and the, the parliamentarians found that um, they were being outflanked, so they're fighting in the middle, and suddenly they realise that there's a load of royalists coming up behind them, which is the worst possible. Yeah. thing. So they happen, yeah. but Wallace doesn't panic. He just says, look, there's a, there's a big wall behind us, 400 yards back. We'll pull back to that. So we're now walking really from behind the, the parliamentarian position. So in front of us, we've got the, the, the hill dropping down. Yeah. We'd have seen the backs of the parliamentarians. And then behind us, all drawn up in the fields which are behind you. See, they're more open here. Yeah. You'd have had the, the, the blocks of parliamentarian cavalry waiting there, ready to attack if any of the royalists got through the... Uh, um see, the, the parliamentarian the lines, lines yeah sort of held a reserve yes so absolutely yeah. yeah so this path which is not far from where you can park your car it leads you down it's got to be careful it's slippy isn't yeah, it yeah. and I'm there's fancy. lots of bits of, so of stone careful. you know so yeah. you have to tread carefully here it was dry at the time it, it started to rain i think in the week afterwards so the conditions then would have been slightly different to what we're experiencing. But it was dry here. at the time. I think so. Yeah, when the
3: Cotswolds are dry. They're bone dry. Yeah, in it. it's yes. Hard, hard landscape. Yeah.
0: It starts to rain in the next week. I think is my is my reading of yeah. the of the situation. But you can see that we're we're going down off the uh, yes. off the of the high ground now. And you know we've only walked for about twenty yards, but look, on, on our right now, there's quite a lot of of, of hill. And so yeah. if you were down here, to a certain extent, you had some cover from the, the people that were up on the top of the hill. So the Royalists coming up this, although it's steep, it did actually provide them with um, uh, with, with with cover. Yes, it's not a straight no. slope. It's got undulations. That's, and that's right. That Parliamentarians all lined up with their guns, etc., up on the high ground on our right. And then in where this this sort of rather scrubby woodland, the Royalists' main force coming up where the road is that's making yeah. all the noise. But other groups of Royalists of working their way through these trees to get round the back of the of the park yes the so we're going to go over a style. Go style one of the uh, of the royalists said about their position they they what the what it appears the royalists did was that they got to here but once they got onto the brow of the hill they were subjected to a torrent of shot you know guns yeah. musketry etc so they dropped back and they essentially took up a position just on the reverse slope, the sort of thing that Wellington would have done with his troops. Yeah. And one of the accounts said, we were on the edge of a, a hill, um, like the, the eaves of a house for steepness, he said. Right. So you can just imagine <laughs> yeah, yeah. it here. So they must have drawn up here, I think. And uh, perhaps the, the parliamentarians didn't want to come over the top of the hill because that's a bit of a, a dangerous area, isn't it? Yeah, a, d- but, you know, a killing can, zone. Can you imagine being here with the Royce? you hear all this, you'd have no idea what's beyond that. That, well, that just, well, I think, yeah. I think they No feel idea. some sort of terror that yeah. if you go over the top, you're going to... Because there's yeah. a sense of going over the top almost from the trench here. It's, it's extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that, that feeling. I think maybe the, the sort of unit cohesion yeah. meant that you stuck together because you felt safer with your mates than anywhere else.
3: So the Cornishmen would be here with their pikes. Yeah. And, and know, Right, lads, let's go over the yeah.
0: top. And also, if you were one of the Cornish... Yeah. You think actually, I don't fancy that very much. Where are you going to go? It's a long way back to Truro, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you may as well. So, so you stay with your. I think yeah, you stay with pressure. your. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and they didn't wear armour though, you, the pikemen. Some of them wore helmets. Yeah. Um, and in theory, uh, the pikemen had. Breastplates and tassets, which were like things yeah. that protected your thighs, but it, it, that's in theory. In reality, to equip people with all of that, they probably didn't have the money. Yeah. It's the same as the cavalry. In theory, both sides' cavalry um, had, for example, uh, big leather coats. They call buff coats, which protected against sword cuts. Maybe a breastplate and a backplate, and a three-barred helmet. Yeah. Um, we often think, in our, in our mind, that the battle was fought between these kind of grim parliamentarians in rugby shirts with these helmets on yeah. and Lawrence Llewellyn and Bowen figures on the other side. Yeah, but in, the, the but, romantic, Yeah, romantic but in reality, if you think about it, if you're going into a battle and you've got a choice between a helmet and a hat with a feather in it, you're going to take the helmet every time. So both sides looked identical, really, apart from one unit of heavily armoured parliamentarian cavalry. But the others, they look the same. So, so we, Sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah. So it was quite difficult to know who was who, really. So where do we get the round heads from? Um, from short haircuts of the London... Uh, um, apprentices. So that was literally one regiment. No, oh. it was a, it was a term of abuse. Oh, okay. Um, and be, the, the people in in London at the time of the Civil War, the apprentices tended to have their hair cut short, so it was that. And cavalier was a term of abuse as well. It meant a sort okay. of European Catholic, ne'er do well horseman. So cavaliers
3: and roundheads. is, yeah. is yeah, in terms, is, in terms in, of abuse. it's like Whigs and Tories, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. So uh, the the whole that old saying revolting but right romantic but wrong uh, is there any any truth in any of that or is it just a sort of a,
0: a, oh, e- i love e- it Schoolboys boys say uh, well, school ch- 1066 and all that yeah, isn't yeah. it well I, I i think it's um it's accurate in that that's the way people see it yeah i yeah. see okay yes although i i have to say nowadays when i ask people i, I said earlier i think that most most people don't express a preference but if people are going to express a preference, they, you tend to get more people supporting Parliament because uh, it's more about dem- dem- well, they des- think it's about yeah. democracy. Of course, it wasn't at the time, you know, in any way at all. And uh, try to look you know, at the king's power. Yeah. so they could have power. Yes, yeah, sure, and uh, you know, the king stood for a centralising government, really. You know, yeah. and, and what did Parliament stand for? Well, I don't know. Yeah, it's difficult to say, really. But you know, I, I think it's very difficult to apply modern-day politics to this period. It, it, you know, there wasn't... Democracy, most people wouldn't have liked that. So, we've got the, 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 the royalists Royalist level reached the ridge. What happens after that? Well, the, the, the parliamentarians have got to pull back because yeah. they're outflanked on both sides. So they pull back um, to this dry stone wall that you can see just over on our right, about yeah. 400 yards back, and they pull back to there. I imagine their cavalry covered the retreat. I see. And I then they line up. that long wall... I was going to ask how you retreat, yeah.
3: because that was the most dangerous part yes. of a battle. That, yes. I've always read. Was, Absolutely, yeah, as was, the yeah.
0: Royalists found out when they tried to pull back a little bit earlier in the, oh, in, when in the, the skirmishing. Uh, when the horse, yeah.
3: ho- Parliamentary horse came in. Yes,
0: yeah. but also I think the Royalists were a bit exhausted. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I don't think they were in any state really to do too much.
3: Yeah. So here we are. We're back. We're on top of the hill, in an open on the plateau. Yes. Dry stone walls to our left. Tristone walls ahead, Tristone walls behind.
0: It's like like a huge enclosure, isn't it? Yeah. Look, big area. So, um,
3: Julian, we've not talked a lot about numbers. We've arrived up on top of the plateau, which seems a good place to... How many did fight on each side?
0: Surprisingly few. When we think about the enormous battles of, you know, the Second World War, etc. We're talking about quite small armies here. So the Royalists, maybe 3,000 cavalry. Two thousand five hundred infantry, something so like that. The yeah, the Royalists always seem to be able to do that. Yeah. you know, Yeah, at, at this time, Parliamentarians maybe two thousand uh, foot, three thousand cavalry. So they are not large yeah. armies at all. They're, uh, they're 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 quite small, but they're not the main armies. Remember, you know that there's a, a big royalist army around Oxford there's an army a parliamentarian army in in, uh, in London there are armies there's in the north
3: skirmishes going wild. yeah
0: so all around the country they're, 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 they're fighting for land really so yeah. it's not you know we're talking about maybe 10,000 men involved in this fighting thing. yeah it's not It's not a large number but it would have seemed a large number if um, you'd lived in one of the villages or, Cold Ashton yeah, yeah you'd know, you have never seen anything, anything like it yeah. would you you know and um, you know you, you just think about it They're they've all got Almost certainly, they've all got um, lice. Almost <laughs> certainly. You know, really up until, I don't know when, soldiers fought with lice crawling all over them. Yeah. What do you get with lice? You get typhus, or camp fever, as they called it. So you've got all these sick people. they are probably got upset tummies, yeah. almost certainly. Nowhere to go to the loo. Think Glastonbury without the toilets, you know, yeah. that kind of idea. You turn up in, in, in Bath, you spread disease. So these armies are like walking infections going around the country as well so it's not only the disruption of trade it's not only the uh, uh the, the, the casualties in the fighting but it's just disease and sickness being spread around you know plague oh, breaking out here so it was a utter disaster yeah. and you know you're living in your little house in cold ashton over there and the royalists turn up and they've got some meat they want to cook and it's a terrible day like today it's, you know, it's wet So what are you going to do? Well, we'll we'll have that door off that house. We'll burn that for a fire. That it chair. You just take it. Should yeah. uh,
3: the meat they might have taken from your yeah. fields anyway. Yeah. yeah.
0: So you know, it, it was it, it was an appalling uh, situation for the for the local people. You know, there's nothing glamorous or about it really. It's yeah. uh, you know you could admire the the bravery of the people you know and sympathise, but it's a total disaster for the country. There's no, no other way to, to describe it. And it's said that a greater percentage of the population died as a result of the civil war in Britain than the First World War. Really? Yeah. Uh, I of mean, the,
3: of the of the uh, 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 civilian population yeah. yeah of everybody of everybody
0: yeah. Yeah. yeah bearing in mind that you know of course the population is much larger yeah. in, in in 1914 but of this relatively small population in in, in in the country a lot of people died as a result of, of disease, disease bash- fighting yeah. all of those yeah. things and also if you're in the army there was a bigger chance you'd die of disease than D- being D- killed we're if you look where we are now yeah. um we're, we're as we've said, we're in a big open enclosure really a big open field with you can see dry stone walls stretching across in the distance, can't we? Yes. And then on our on our right the land drops away. So I think we have to imagine the Royalists who got this ridge, they've managed to get just to the crown of the of the ridge. With their pikes. And with their pikes. Yeah. yeah. And they they start to deploy on the top here. Over in the distance, there, there's this dry stone wall. You can see there are gaps yeah. in it, and that was that was there at the time. And they, they write about that wall, and, the, and essentially the Waller, the parliamentarian, he simply moved his whole army back 400 yards. So they occupied that wall, and then in the fields that you can see beyond, heading back towards Bath again, drew up his cavalry there. So he just did so the he same simply sits yeah. it back, and the royalists didn't have the energy, or perhaps even the supplies, to um, to advance. So the battle degenerated into a firefight. Just shooting each uh, other. Shooting each other. And and, and one person said, you know, something along the lines of, um, it degenerated into a firefight, arms and legs flying apace. So just being blown off. So it's just a little reference there to how horrific it must have been. And another person said, you know, they couldn't see. So much smoke. And of course, you know, it's July, so the, the light stays for quite a long time. Eventually it gets dark. And the royalists to the top, at the yeah. end of battle, you know, royalists said, well, what do we do? And they looked over to the parliamentarian lines. It's all a bit quiet over there. But they can see pikes up in the, in the gloom, you know, they can see pikes. And also they used to shoot the muskets with match, which was like a taper that you would set off a firework with, and you, that ignited the gunpowder. So you could always see where an army was because there'd be the little red dots of the glowing, burning match. The royalists pit up, they could see all this match, so I thought they're there, but it's a bit, bit quiet. So they persuaded this guy to crawl up. So he crawled across this, Oh goodness knows what it must have been like in the dark to crawl across this field. And he got to that wall that we can see and he put his head over. There was nobody there. What the parliamentarians had done, they stuck some pikes in the wall and they draped these burning match over. And that bought them the time to fall back into Bath, which they then fortified.
3: Right, Okay. so they slipped off back to Bath Bath. and they were quite happy there. They are quite
0: happy there. The Royalists, exhausted, (laughs) they'd won the battle in the sense they captured the hill. But the objective of capturing the hill was to be able to get into Bath. But they'd suffered heavy losses. Uh, They'd lost some of their important um, commanders, certainly one. A lot of their cavalry had run away. They were short of ammunition. So it's a real... If you ever want to see a Pyrrhic victory... This was it. There was nothing they had nothing. They had nothing. And and it gets worse because you want intelligence, don't you? You know, you want to uh, uh, to find out. And they'd captured some parliamentarian prisoners. So they sent them back over beyond Freezing Hill to where the Royalist encampment was. And they stuck these prisoners on a cart and said, Wait here, we'll come over and, and talk to you later. And so these chaps got their pipes out and they lit their pipes you know, they're getting over the battle the royalist commanders, Hopton and all of his, his staff come up there, what cart have they put these chaps on? their gunpowder cart. Oh no. and there's the most almighty explosion the poor parliamentarians are blown to smithereens, a number of the royalists uh, are killed, Hopton is scalded and temporarily blinded and all the royalist gunpowder's gone Oh goodness. Me so me. they've so got no that's it. They're so sort of powdered there but it's a disaster, you know. Because so
3: there's some stupid
0: person. health and safety, yeah, you know. God. What about a risk assessment Not about a where pot. you Yeah, yeah go and sit on that cart. Um, so the Royalists wow, they that. had that's no that all they could do really was to make a fighting retreat mm. and they, they I think what they hoped to do was to somehow get to Oxford. So they were really in flight. They were. Yeah. Um, and the parliamentarians got themselves together gave chase. And pursued them across... So they came the, out of Bath. Out when, of they Bath. Realized, when they realized When they realised that their, their scouts realised yeah. that the Royalists mm. were on the they, mm. they had an advantage also because the, the locals here didn't like the Royalists. And the, the Royalists actually said in some of the accounts, the country people won't give us any information. They're not yeah. going to help them. But as they told the, the, the parliamentarians. And the po- parliamentarians pursued them as far as devises... But it all went wrong then for them. I think they're a bit worn out. And a royalist relief force came from Oxford and routed the parliamentarians. Oh, really? Yeah. So the parliamentarians oh, no. had won the battle to the very last minute. Yeah. You know, the whole campaign, they were, they were doing well. And then at the last, and the last day, this relief force came from Oxford, pa- royalist cavalry, scattered the parliamentarians and, and everything them. was turned on its head. Bristol was captured for the royalists. The Bath? Bath had fallen, yeah, as oh, well. Goodness. And, and uh, the oh, royalists so continued their were... advance.
3: So yes, just through the trees, we can see this sort of squarish pillared monument uh, surrounded by iron railings. It's the only visible, apart from some of these little, very attractive little flags, I think, to show where the battlefield is. What's this monument? Well, this is a
0: monument to Sir Beville Grenville. And uh, Beville Grenville, Royalist Commander, had a regiment of Cornish pikemen come, came from Cornwall. And, and it's said to mark the spot where he was mortally wounded, and it was put up by I think his grandson. Uh, so we're, we're talking a little bit later. Uh, this, this this was put up, but it kind of makes sense that this may well have been where he was mortally wounded because it's just on the brow of the hill here, yeah. isn't it? And um, it's got the Grenville arms on it Which is the on the outside. The yeah, it's got sort of a griffin as the their crest. You can see it's very baroque, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, the, yeah. very baroque. You know, so it's a, it's it's not from the uh, the period, and it had. Quite a remarkable um, plaque on it, and to a certain extent, it's not just about remembering the battle, yeah. but they were quite loyal to the Stuarts. We're talking about a time when the Hanoverians were were, were on the throne, so yeah. this may actually be making another point oh, really? as well as just commemorating the uh, battle. But that there, the rest is politics, isn't it? Yeah. You know. Um, so there's a picture
3: here of Sir Bevel. Yes, uh, a painting. Of Sir Bevel, interesting name. Hit
0: on the head with a pole axe. Yeah. Well, that's not great. No. no. Uh, I think. Well, why didn't he have a Why didn't he have a helmet on? You just wonder what on earth happened there. You know? yeah. Isn't it funny in films? Any historical film, everybody goes in it, goes into battle in armour. Apart from the stars, you have to have helmets off, so we know who they are. Yeah, yeah. You know, in, in in that way, you see it. in all, Maybe in all... that was it. So people yeah. could recognise yeah. him. Yeah. Um, when he When he was hit. The Cornish were a bit, um, you know, they could you imagine. Oh no, we've lost the Beville. Yeah. And I and I mentioned earlier that, that that on the Royal side was this giant Anthony Payne, great big bloke, who was Bevel Grenville's sort of minder really. And Grenville had brought his young son John Grenville along, and Payne hoisted him up into his father's horse, so that the regiment would still have a Grenville oh, at okay. their head. And he survived. He survived. In right. fact, he became a very ardent royalist and he held out. He was one of the last royalists to surrender because he held out on the Isles of Scilly for the king. Really? Until 1651 or something like that. A long yeah, long time after. Yeah, the... yeah. yeah he, was, he was an ardent royalist. Yeah, the family oh were. Um, a
3: poleaxe is,
0: uh, what, what exactly is it? Like? A poleaxe is like a an axe and a spike yeah. on the end of a, of a shaft. The pole in it, it's not the pole, it's pole in the sense of head. Oh, okay. So you're going to pole, if you're poleaxed. Whack axe in the head. Terrible really. So that where we're standing oh, now. Old, old yeah, this yeah. was probably, you know, you could, so you can imagine him with his with his um here, the parliamentarian cavalry looming up on all sides. You can almost imagine it, can't you? Coming up yeah. over where that there's a wall here, and suddenly these figures appear shooting pistols at you, etc. Yeah. And you're trying to hold,
3: you know. And the polex yeah. comes through, and yeah. You know, and that's 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 the end of survival. You've got a lovely badge on your uh on your chest there the battlefields trust what do they do what's uh, how and can get can people get involved
0: they can indeed it's a uk charity and it's really responsible for looking after as much as we can and interpreting battlefields in this country and um we have a bit of a sort of regional setup so there are regular walks around places like this yeah. publishing magazine campaign for better protection etc have lots of fun um, of uh, podcasts and uh, and zoom lectures etc good value and it just helps to um you know make the case for these battlefields because i think they're worthy of, of protection life is a highway and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches but
1: there's only one mick crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour
0: Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply.
3: Well, from the epic battlefield, what an interesting experience that was with Julian there, who really brought the landscape to life. And I really, really encourage anyone out there who fancies a walk in somewhere, that, which, which really, you know, the stories sort of seep from the fields, from the, from the walls, from the trees. It's great to, to sort of just get that feeling of history, layers of history there. But talking about people who bring the landscape to life as well, I'm joined <laughs> in the studio well, we're not in the studio. We're all quite remote, aren't we? We're still in our post-Christmas sort of working from home bit. By Jack, producer of the podcast. And Hannah, lovely to see you back. Hello. You've been thank you been so away for a little while. <laughs> been away for a while. Nice to see you both. And happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year to you.
3: Because this is our first recording post Christmas, although we've recorded
4: some podcasts have been out. <laughs> this got this gets too confusing. It's the first one we've recorded after Christmas, but last week you would have heard us saying Happy New Year, yeah, because we yeah, sort of come somewhat time warped ourselves to know we we're going out. <laughs> we are now in
3: the new year. <laughs> we're now actually we've um, caught up with you. Somewhat. We've confused ourselves here. This isn't. This hasn't gone well. <laughs> We are in 2024, though, which is um, yeah. So I um, will come back to the battlefield because I do want to sort of get your thoughts on things. But I, just, I also want to know what you've both been up to since. Have you been? Have you managed to get out into the wide world? Or have you just been <laughs> I, too wild.
1: Most of what I've been doing has been looking at the wet windows, waiting for it to stop.
3: <laughs> wet on the outside, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah um, it's been uh, yeah pretty intensely rainy and stormy and not the kind of weather you want to go out in, although we did go out for a lovely walk because at the moment I'm by the coast and so we had a clifftop walk for about an hour and 45 minutes and it did not stop raining once. But So you're, you're we, at home,
3: aren't you, down in South Wales? Yes. On the southwest coast. So even there you got oh, this horrendous...
1: Really pool. bad, actually. Yesterday, so uh, it would have been Storm Hank. yeah. I think the 72 mile an hour winds and mumbles, which is not very far from us.
3: 72 miles an hour. My goodness. Yeah. You couldn't hold an ice cream up in that.
1: No. And also we went up under the headlands if you like last week and it was so windy that you couldn't even take a breath if you were facing into it. You know how it's like, feels like it's just so powerful. It was Sucks a lot.
3: Sucks the very air from your lungs. Mm.
4: Yeah. We had a couple of trees down by us. But, uh, Did you? Yeah, gone down. There was just- one, one- the classic sort of tree down across a road, knocking down a power line as it went.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, classic. Exactly. Even if it doesn't actually, shouldn't really normally reach, somehow it will bring the oh, power. Oh, of course, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. And everyone moans about it. But it's a couple hours, it's fine.
3: So we've had the Storm Henk, we've had Storm Gerritz. Do you know what the Storm F was? no. It's, Fergus. It was.
1: Oh. <laughs> I didn't even you know, notice that one.
3: It was a re- well. It was very mild mannered, and <laughs> I thought rather it was. humorous. So it was uh, <laughs> Pro- promised <laughs> big, and then really
4: just a really whisper win.
3: <laughs> yeah, it had a, Yeah, it, it just kind of breezed through, teased away. It yeah, was, it did its it
1: best. <laughs> <laughs> everyone best. <laughs> being loved being it. Being polite. Everyone, yeah, everyone.
3: Everyone loved it. It was general sort of not too much but, of a fuss. No, it's been. It's been tough. I've we've had serious cabin fever here and for us for someone like me who loves getting out who kind of needs it it's like (gasps) Um, so yes some really really wet walks and lots of flooding and lots of um, yeah like you say being blown apart by Mm. gusty winds. How about you Jack? You're a a bold uh, man who leads young folk out into the wilds with your your scouts brigade. (laughs) Did you manage to did you brave it?
4: I did pop out a bit but like we said there's Points where you're like, it's not worth it, it's just gonna be so miserable because as soon as you get out we said there's quite a few days where it's that you're gonna get wet rain. Like it's not it wasn't heavy rain and it's not in like big drops, it's just a s you step out for about a millisecond and already you're drenched sort of rain. When you've got that and then you've got the strong winds as well, you just know it's sort of a recipe for getting cold and miserable and damp. So it's like I said, I said the other week, I kinda like the wind. But I think when you do mix it with the rain and the mud and the general grayness it's just not that fun <laughs> yeah, this is
3: this is terrible isn't it for people who could love the outdoors and make a <laughs> podcast about the outdoors we're like we we've had we've had a terrible christmas <laughs> it's been a hard one um i did see today my first daffodil of the year in full oh, flower wow so what are we the third of january it, that's so I'm early recording this it's amazing there's just one but it's a sign
1: is it's it in like, a dip or something?
3: No, just in someone's front garden here. That's lovely. Um, on the edge of Abergavenny. Abbeca- so Made it's of metal. A and, but...
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and the birds are singing. I've noticed suddenly yeah. since Christmas there's birds singing. So it sort of feels like there's summer out there, there's a little glint of spring. But at the moment it's, um, yeah. Did you see any exciting wildlife when you were?
1: Um, I've seen a female bullfinch several times. Very um, good. And I realised that we're in the sort of family that we can, so I think it was on Christmas Day, and we were all sort of talking to each other, like, I'm doing this, and this is my present, and um, it's okay for us to just be like, stop what you're doing, there's a bird out there that we need all the to look at. Oh, good. Um, so, yeah. yeah, and she's come back several times, and you can tell that she's a female because she's kind of a brownie buff colour, as opposed to kind of a pink. Um, yeah, she's great, seems to be on her own, I haven't seen the male. Um, Comes to the bird feeder? no um she's on a pyrocanthor which oh, has okay. still got some berries on it yeah
3: nice nice any avian or other visitors to your garden jack with your amazing bird feeding uh paraphernalia
4: well, i mean it's gonna need some repairs again i okay. said last week about the umbrella getting blown off oh. still to locate him so he's gonna All need right. some <laughs> repairs again in the spring but i it's been a bit quiet i've seen still seen those couple of foxes that have been popping around locally which has been quite nice. They've kind of been dotted about. And a few more hedgehogs again. They seem to be one, unfortunately, in the road, not moving oh, as much.
3: That I, on Christmas Day, there was a brief glint of sun here. And I was walking along the pavement just outside the garden. And there was an entire skin of a hedgehog, oh. not run over, just like it had been scooped out. Taking his coat off. Yeah, <laughs> it was a bit grim. But also kind of fascinating to see all the spikes. But yeah. I wonder whether a badger, Hannah's looking really rather
1: it's, sad. It's sad. Well, if they have to die, then I'm happy. Hannah looks uh, suspicious. <laughs> I would never. So any badgers. Um, yeah.
3: A badger probably did it, I would, I would have thought. Well, then
1: no wonder I fight them. I think, yeah. yeah, it's nice to think of them as being kind of useful to another animal as opposed to being squashed on the road, I yeah, think. Yeah, it does seem a, a
3: very wasteful way to do it. But yeah. yeah, it was quite amazing, just the whole thing there. It's still there, actually. I thought, should I bring it in and dry it out and add it to my collection of amazing sort of animal Skins. bits? <laughs> but, um, I, I fear it would start to smell. Mm. And um, yeah, let's not, let's not do that. So, battlefields. So have you have you walked on any battlefields? Is you kind of uh, is that something that might?
1: I've been to Ypres.
3: Have you? Yeah. Ah, First World War battlefield. Yeah. My grandfather fought at Ypres. So, I think um,
1: part of well, my family did as well. Yeah.
3: Because that's obviously much more recent. It's it's 108 years or so since the Battle of Ypres. Um, what was that like walking around?
1: It was actually beautiful. I think because it, it had just happened to be a really sunny day and there were lots of wildflowers and it was there was a kind of sense of stillness but it didn't feel like a place that had retained that trauma. Hmm. It felt like a very kind of uh, reflective place but it wasn't in any way kind of spooky. No, interesting. But then maybe that was the weather and the kind of the, the distance in time. Cuz Julian
3: it wasn't on the recording he Talked about Flodden, which is on the Scottish borders, because Ypres is in Belgium, isn't it? Is right? Yeah. So Flodden on, on the Scottish borders was a, ba- a battle again, like five hundred years ago. But you said sometimes there you get a sense the birds don't sing. There is still this. Set. I mean, the people say that a lot about battlefields, but but not when not when you went to Ypres and uh,
1: no, not um, at all. The fact that it had been sort of kept that way and respected was more of a kind of comforting thing than a unsettling mm-hmm. thing. It was. Uh, yeah like I say like kind of restful and kind of still and reflective
3: yeah yeah Jack how about you have you wandered in those sort of places where
4: I, I think I've been to a few but I, I, I've definitely been to the one you went to oh the Lansdowne Battle of Lansdowne yeah yeah, yeah. um because I know around that area anyway there's quite a lot of I think even in the war there's a few places there that used as sort of lookout points because you, you, you there's a few sort of high hills to look out over Bristol and Bath well
3: that's exactly it. that's that's why the battle was fought it was a strategic yeah. point that they wanted to capture Um, even though it was all all in vain in the end
4: yeah and i just i think like the whole that whole thing about them seeing quite quiet and empty i kind of get because i vaguely remember from when i went there it's unusual because where they are kind of normally quite wide open spaces there's not really anything there it's just sort of open now almost like a field but especially in the summer when the grass is a bit longer it does generally feel a bit more quieter because obviously the birds aren't landing in any anything there because there's no trees in the middle of it or whatever i always think when the, the grass is a bit long and there's that gentle breeze sort of brushing through it and it almost kind of looks like waves because the grass is sort of being nudged by the wind i know what you mean and there's just, I just something about it just it's almost like the landscape knows what happened there and it's now just kind of this is a place of memory and just sort of not hiding it away but trying to make that place peaceful again and yeah.
3: Gosh, this yeah. is sort of romantic and kind of uh elegaic yeah when when we were there as you as you heard it was all foggy and that really dampens all the sound and there was no birdsong later there was a massive flock of jackdaws came over and they sort of but even that julian said that there would have been flocks of ravens and crows after the battle doing their thing with all you know bits of body all over the place so um yeah it was it was interesting and atmospheric really atmospheric But i think you you nailed it there jack with your description i thought it was rather lovely yeah so anyway go go and visit for everyone out there if you if you visit your local battlefield as julian said some are endangered and the battlefields trust you can find all the details in the um, program notes but the battlefields trust really interesting organization and they they look after these sites look we've talked long and lots about battlefields um we've got the whole of 2024 ahead of us to do some adventures and i hope you guys are going to be up for some amazing who knows what we still got to do some pike fishing.
1: Yes, next please.
3: Week, next week there is some fishing. It's uh, but you'll hear. We'll we'll chat about that. But I do want to read before we go because I do want to read. Just I've had this lovely, lovely Christmas card from one of our favourite listeners, Kiki King. A bit early. Um, who, <laughs> <laughs> I'm showing it. To, it's oh, that's it's beautiful. beautiful. It's hair. It's a hair, and then a hair in the distance. Sort of a bit like the Cotswolds, actually hairs and running the over these great be- big
1: silvery moon
3: yeah it's, f- it's a beautiful kind of lino cut type card and she says and this is to all of us thank you for another amazing year filled with sounds and stories that help me feel like I'm right in the UK landscape with you all which is really nice my only complaint oh, no. is that because of the podcast my list for things I want to see and experience when I return to the UK next year is growing exponentially I'm sending you all the wishes for gentle winter sunrises, tea and cocoa, fires that crackle, and amazing sightings and happenings to share on your next show. Kiki King, and she says, biggest US fan. So,
1: <laughs> That's so sweet, Kiki.
3: So thank you, Kiki. And also sorry,
1: oh. not sorry for making your list so long. Yeah
3: yeah, exactly. Well, when you're in the UK, get in touch why not come and join us for a plod chat or a plod walk. We'd love to we'd love to meet up with you. And just uh find it an appeal for everyone else out there, please do get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. You can get in contact with us through Countryfile magazine's social media channels or our email address which is editor at countryfile dot com. We'd love to hear from you. But I think guys that's probably it for this week. Lovely to see you both and thank you everyone out there for listening tune in next week but for now goodbye